Well, good morning. Good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I see a, a few faces that have been out of town that are back, uh, and so good to, to have you here and good to see you with us, and, and, and then a few faces who are, are maybe visiting, and so good to have you guys here. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5 is where we are going to be this morning. Uh, we've been walking through the Psalms this summer, and, and this is where we are. So as you're turning there, I'll, I'll ask you a question. Do any of you read the newspaper? And I mean the, the physical, actual newspaper. We got, we got a few, a few people. That's great. Um, you know, I, I wasn't in the habit of reading the news hardly at all, uh, until about a year or so after I graduated from college. And I mean, sure, I would hear the big stories by word of mouth, but I didn't really read the news or listen to the news or watch the news at, at all. And, and the way that I started kind of paying attention to the news was by reading an actual newspaper. That's kind of where I started tuning in for the first time. I don't really know why, but at some point, I just became profoundly interested in the experience of reading a physical paper. Uh, and so every time I would visit a new city, I would go look at their newsstand and be like, all right, what local papers do they have here? Or uh, and, and then at home, I, I subscribed to the local paper and also a national paper and kept up with that for a little while, and that didn't last too long. Uh, that was a lot to, to try to take in. Um, and, and as I said, I'm not sure why I, I became so, so kind of into this experience. Maybe it's just the, the pleasant image of sitting in a comfy chair with a cup of coffee and a newspaper in the morning. There's just something kind of comforting about that that, that I really like. And, and this didn't change when I moved to Seattle. One of the first things I did when I moved up here was sign up to get the Sunday Seattle Times. And, and I still get it. Uh, and this is this morning's copy. Uh, and so here's today's edition. Now, a lot of newspapers are called The Times, right? This is kind of a common name for that, which I think started back in London, which you have like The Times and then spinoffs, New York Times, Seattle Times, so on and so forth. And, and the reason why they're called this is that the newspaper is supposed to offer an accurate snapshot of the times that we live in. A little picture of what's going on in the world today. And hopefully, any good newspaper will do that. But if we're really honest, the world that we live in rarely feels like a quiet morning and a comfy chair with a cup of coffee and a newspaper, right? Right? If the Times is truly going to reflect the times that we live in, uh, then it would probably sound a little bit different. It would probably sound a little bit more like this. Um, so we have a demonstration. I've asked the worship team to help out here. I'm going to pass out some of the sections. I don't know that I have enough for everyone, um, but every each of you guys get your section of the paper and choose a spot and, and show us what the times are really like. Chris 
All right, all right, all right. So that, <laughs> that is what the news sounds like, right? This is much more accurate picture of what the times are like, right? And it goes on and on and on, right? Rather than a quiet, cozy morning, and thank you guys, by the way, for, for jumping into that. That was, that was great. Um, rather than a quiet, cozy morning, our world is chaotic, and it's noisy, right? We are constantly bombarded with different voices, left and right, and not only are those different voices often at odds with one another, but they don't take turns, do they? Right? They all sound out at once in a wild competition for our minds and for our hearts. And the news is one of those voices. But there's also the voice of constant chatter on social media, the voice of music on the radio, ads on TV, the voice of family and friends, right? And that internal voice of your own doubts, fears, and anxieties. Right? And from all of this cacophony, the question arises, well, where is the voice of God? Where is God speaking? And I think that Psalm 5 is a psalm for when we are wrestling with voices coming at us on every side. It shows us what it looks like to call on God out from all of the noise, and to finally listen for his voice. So let's listen to Psalm 5 together. Hear the word of the Lord. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Give heed to my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you. And watch, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil will not sojourn with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house I will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouths. Their hearts are destruction. Their throats are open graves. They flatter with their tongues. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of their many transgressions. Cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them so that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them with favor, as with a shield. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us 
through your holy scriptures. I pray that you would help us to hear your voice this morning, even amidst all the other voices that sound in our lives and in our minds. God, as we look through the words of this scripture, I ask that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so this psalm has five stanzas, right? It's, it's like a song with five different verses. And each one alternates between focusing on the voice of God and focusing on all the voices that aren't God, right? And if this were a song that we were going to sing in church, we would probably just sing verses 1, 3, and 5. Uh, because, well, we probably want to avoid and, and look over all of that other stuff. But the psalmist knows that life isn't that easy. So he gives us all five verses here to, to listen to and, to and to sing. He knows that to truly live a life of worship to God, we have to cut away all the noise. We have to look through all the voices that are speaking evil and speaking lies, all the voices that lead to distraction and to disaster. So let's dig into this together. Look back to verse 1. The psalmist writes, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Give heed to my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you and watch. Now, if you were here last week, you may remember that Psalm 4 ended in the evening with the words, I will lie down and sleep in peace. So it's quite fitting that Psalm 5 picks up in the morning. Now, I've asked you this question before in the past, and, and I want to spend a moment considering it again. How do you spend your mornings? How do you usually start your day? Right? Maybe it's, it's a cup of coffee. Maybe it is a newspaper, something like that. If we're getting really personal, maybe it's sort of a bleary-eyed walk to the restroom, right? That's probably really honest. Um, but, but I imagine that for many of us, one of the first things we do in the morning is grab our cell phone. Maybe you use your phone as alarm. And so, you know, just practically, well, you need to grab your phone because you need to quiet the alarm, right? But how many of you tend to grab your phone? It's one of the first things in the morning, right? That's, that's just something that has kind of worked into us. Or if it's not your phone, maybe it's a tablet, or maybe it's turning on the TV, something like that, right? These kinds of habits and, and things to just start off the morning that way. And I'll go ahead and admit, this is a habit that I have, and it's one that I'd really like to break, Right, I often have a tendency to grab my phone in the morning, and often before I have done much else, I will look through notifications that have popped up overnight. I'll check my email, I'll scroll through Facebook, and I'll just get sucked into the phone vortex. Do any of you know about the phone vortex? You know, and, and 30 minutes to an hour later, I'll sort of pull out of it and go, what has happened? You know, and what, what have I been doing all this time? And my morning is halfway over, right? And, 
Am I the only one who, no? All right, all right. So we're in good company here. Now, this is a habit that I want to break because it's one that right from the start invites all the noisy voices that we've been talking about to flood into my day, right? It is a habit that starts my day oriented toward all the wrong things. But right down through the centuries, straight into the heart of our media-crazy culture, the psalmist shows us a better way. He says, O Lord, in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you, and I watch. So what if instead of grabbing our phone or turning on the TV, instead of immediately filling our day with noise, what if we began our morning with prayer? Right? And, and I love where the psalmist begins this, because so far this morning, we've talked about how we're often overwhelmed with voices and we're unable to listen. But the psalmist begins not with his inability to listen, but by affirming that God is able to listen. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. So if we're going to be a people who pray, then we have to begin by believing and trusting that God hears us. We are overwhelmed by all the voices, but God is not in verse 2, the psalmist calls to God, my king, right? He is the ruler of the world. He has the capacity to not only hear our voice, but to listen. And as a loving father, the ability to respond as well. So the psalmist begins by affirming that God is listening. And he goes on to say, in the morning, I plead my case to you. Now, another way of translating this phrase is to say, I lay it all out before you. One practice that I've tried to start doing to try to displace that phone vortex is to begin my mornings by quietly examining my heart, by, by trying to lay all of my cares down before God. And so this is what it looks like. I'll, I'll take a moment in the morning when I, when I wake up to sit in silence and to ask the question, how am I today? How am I doing today? And slowly, I'll begin to become more aware of, of what is the true state of my heart. And there have been times that during this practice, I'll realize that there are things that I was worried about that I didn't even know were weighing on me. But by pausing and, and taking a moment to become aware, I, I can see them. There, there are times that my mind just kind of keeps racing, keeps churning and trying to get through what I'm going to have to do that day while I'm trying to sit and be still. And what that does is it, it shows me, wow, I, I'm kind of anxious about what needs to happen today. 
And then other times, there's some kind of joy that'll begin to surface from all of that as I reflect on things that I'm, I'm grateful for, looking forward to. And the point of this kind of practice is to take all of these things and, as the psalm says, lay it all out before God. Essentially to say, all right, God, here's what we're working with today. This is where I am. And often that is followed up by a desperate help. (laughs) Right? Right? And after laying it all out before God, there's one more thing that the psalmist does. He says, in the morning I plead my case to you and I watch. And this one word is hugely important. Too often, you know, if we even pray at all, we just sort of dump our prayers onto God and then we keep rolling, right? We just move on. But the point is not just to pray to God, but ultimately to watch for God. The purpose of praying is to cultivate a deeper awareness of God's activity in the world around us. We pray so that we can discover the kingdom of God. We pray, and then we watch. So the psalmist prays in the morning so that the rest of his day can be marked by a sort of watchfulness for the things of God. And this should be the pattern that that we seek to, to live in, to pray and watch. But, but watching for the things of God also means there will be a greater clarity when we encounter things that are not God. And that's where the psalmist goes. In, in the sort of second stanza of the psalm, beginning in verse 4, he goes on to say, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil will not sojourn with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful. Right? So, so laying ourselves before the Lord and listening to him doesn't automatically silence all those other voices that are around us. But over time, as we come to God, as we lay ourselves down, as we watch, it does help us discern those voices and to better cut away all of those things that are evil and ultimately that are deceitful. And laying ourselves before God does another thing as well. It doesn't just help us to discern the evil and the voices around us, but we also begin to discern the evil that is within us. Because we can't read verses 4 through 6 without acknowledging that we ourselves have been wicked and evil, that we too are often boastful and deceitful. One of the commentaries I was reading this week put it this way. It says, we can never hear the declaration that wickedness contradicts the will and way of God without trembling at our own need of repentance and our own dependence on grace. 
Because you, you see, we have all been evildoers. We have spoken lies. And these verses say that evil will not sojourn with God, that evildoers don't call out to God, don't watch for God, don't live life with God. The psalm tells us that, that, living, that, that lying is ultimately living in destruction. And so we can't read this without acknowledging that, that we have journeyed away from God. We have lived destructive lives at times. That we desperately depend on the grace of God. And that's exactly where the psalmist goes in the next verse. If you look at verse 7, he says, Through the abundance of your steadfast love, I will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. So here the psalmist affirms that he is only able to enter God's house through the abundance of God's love. It is only by the grace of God that we can even pray at all. We had journeyed away from God, but thanks be to God who, when we were far, brought us near. Who, when we had fallen, raised us up. Who, when we were dead, made us alive together with Christ. It is ultimately by the death and the resurrection of Jesus that we can come to God in the morning or at any time at all. It is purely by God's grace. And this is how prayer transforms us. It leads us to repentance. And ultimately, it brings us in contact with the transforming grace of God. So from that simple prayer of help, we also pray, I'm sorry. And we pray, forgive me. And ultimately, those prayers bring us to the prayer we see in verse 8, where the psalmist says, lead me. O Lord, in your righteousness, because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. And we see this same pattern in the Lord's Prayer that we prayed earlier this morning and that we pray every week. Forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation. Forgive us and lead us. And that's what the psalmist prays here. He asks for God to lead him. And he says also, lead me because of my enemies. You see, we need to be led because all of the other voices so easily distract us and lead us astray. We need God's way to be made straight 
Because it is so easy for us to turn off to the right or to the left and to wander away. It's what the, the hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I fear it. And so the psalmist prays, lead me because of my enemies. Now, we might kind of have a hard time with psalms like this that talk about enemies. Because first of all, okay, maybe they had enemies back in the day. You know, King David had to fight battles and fend off enemies all the time, of course. But, but who are my enemies? Right? What, what does this mean? How do we pray this? And, and then second, I think another question that comes up is how does a prayer like this fit in to what Jesus said about praying for our enemies? Well, well let me kind of take a shot at each of these questions. Let's, let's kind of think about them here. First, who are my enemies? Now, now, some of you may not have a hard time answering that question at all, right? I know who my enemy is. It's the person who cut me off in traffic on my way home from work, right? You know, or, or maybe it's, you know, I know who my enemy is. It's the, it's the people in the cubicles across from me at work. Um, or, or maybe it's that annoying friend or family member who feels like nothing but a drain. And, and sure, these people might feel like an enemy, but, but I want to press you a little bit harder. And I want to push you a little bit deeper. The early theologians of the Christian faith talked about three enemies of the soul that we all have as followers of Christ. These are the world, the flesh, and the devil. These are classically understood as the the enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if you think of all of those voices that we've been talking about this morning, this pretty much sums them up, I think. There's the voice of the world, right? That's the voice that rushes in through emails, text messages, ads, all the noise of social media, and and yes, even the newspaper, right? And now, these voices may not be outright evil, but they're at least distracting and, and often very deceiving. And then there's the voice of the flesh that, that Paul says is contrary to the Spirit in Galatians. And this is the voice of arrogance and pride, or perhaps the voice of greed and lust. It's the voice of all of our sinful inclinations that tempt us and pull at our heart day to day. And then finally, there's the voice of the devil. Now, I think our our modern culture wants us to think that all of our problems would be limited to those first two, the the world and the flesh, right? All of our problems are society and psychology, right? Kind of sum it up in that. But, But Scripture tells us there is a third and more sinister voice that lies behind each of these. And that is the voice of the devil, of the evil one. This is the one who Jesus calls the father of lies. This is the one who Jesus says comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I think this is the voice that tells you to listen to the other voices. 
It's the voice that tells you to, to listen to the noise of the world. This is the voice that entices you to give in to desires of the flesh. And it's also the voice that constantly questions your identity. Just as he did to Jesus in the wilderness, if you are the Son of God, right? Constantly questions our own identity as children of God, who constantly tells us that God doesn't love you, that you're not enough, that you are not a beloved child of God. And all of these are lies. And they're lies that lead to destruction. And that's what the psalmist says in verse 9. There is no truth in their mouths. Their hearts are destruction. Their throats are open graves. They flatter with their tongues. These voices ultimately speak lies of destruction. And though their tongues may flatter and entice, they ultimately lead down throats of death. And so the psalmist goes on in verse 10 to say, Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of their many transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. And I think this is where we we ask that question, well, well, how does this match up with praying for our enemies? Right? But, but I think that this actually is a way of praying for our enemies. Because ultimately, it's a prayer that asks God to make the ways of the world, the flesh, and the devil clear. It's a prayer that that God would remove the pretty exteriors and reveal those things for what they really are. Ultimately, this is a prayer that just as we have desperately needed God's grace, we pray for our enemies to also know their need for God's grace. That all might turn and take refuge in God. And that is where the psalm ends. In the final two verses, with a prayer and a declaration, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them so that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them with favor, as with a shield. So in these final verses, we see what it looks like to actually take refuge in God. The chaotic voices begin to die away, and we can finally raise up our own voices in praise of God. In these verses, we see a picture of God spreading protection over us from all of the enemies that seek to distract and destroy. And ultimately, we see God's blessing that covers like a shield. And so as we come to a close, I want to ask you a question. What if 
We didn't just run to refuge in God after we have felt overwhelmed with all the voices and all the anxiety and all the noise that surrounds us. But instead, we started by taking refuge in God. What if, like the psalmist, we rose in the morning to lay it all out before him and then we went about our day watchful? How would our days be different? How would we live our lives differently? Perhaps we could actually contribute some some bit of peace to the world that's always anxious because we have first received that peace from him. And so that is my challenge to you this week. As you go from here, before you pick up your phone in the morning or turn on your TV, I challenge you to start your day, even with just five minutes of being with God. Just a few minutes to lay it all out before him. God, this is what we're working with here today. Help. And as you do that, may you find peace amidst chaos. May you find, over all the other voices, God's voice speaking his love to you. May it be so. Amen.